Hi everyone and welcome back to Fire Film. Today I'm bringing you my review of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So obviously this is a spy action film directed by Christopher McQuarrie. It is the seventh film in the Mission Impossible franchise. It's going to lead on to Part 2 that comes out next year. It's supposed to be a direct sequel to Fallout, which I suppose works, but they're all essentially direct sequels to one another at this point. So in this film, Ethan Hunt and IMF are faced with a foe, um, an AI foe, an artificial intelligence foe known as the Entity. And throughout the film, it's Ethan basically and his team working against a villain that they cannot see, a villain that they cannot control, and a villain that ultimately they are struggling to get grips onto. So uh, the film was announced in January 2019 by Cruise, with the seventh and eighth film being filmed back to back. Everyone's coming back for you know, so you got Simon Pegg, you got Vince Rames. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson's back, obviously Macquarie's back as well. Lauren Balfe doing the music again from Fallout. Uh, the one thing that just to mention about the sort of context before we get into the, the plot and the review and stuff is I went to Manif, I went to the Manchester International Film Festival, as I have been doing for a couple of years now. My first year there was 2020, and I went because Simon Pegg was announced to be there for a Q&A of his film Lost Transmissions. Now, in the Q&A, Simon said to the audience, he said, I should be in Venice with uh, Ethan, uh, with Ethan, with Tom Cruise right now, filming Mission Impossible. But because of COVID and because that was a sort of slow burn that happened where things started getting shut down, he, was, he wasn't allowed to be there anymore and they had to sort of halt filming. So again, this would have been released much sooner than it ended up being. Uh, they, you know, filming began in Italy in 2020, but then it was completely halted. It resumed later that year and wrapped in 2021. So you're still, you know, about 18 months out from this actually being shot before it then eventually hits the cinemas. Um, so the film starts, and usually these Mission Impossible films start with a big Ethan Hunt stunt. Ethan Hunt stunt, the Hunt stunt, right? Um, and, you know, I'm thinking back to things like Rogue Nation with hanging off the plane. Um, the one from Fallout was quite early on with the halo jump. You know, it wasn't sort of thingy. With this one, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but it was definitely a surprise to me. The bike scene that you've seen in the trailer and you've seen in the sort of behind-the-scenes footage and all that kind of stuff is in the third act of the film. And I don't think they're making any bones about the fact that that is in the third act of the film. But as soon as I found that out, I was a bit surprised because I thought, well, you know, we've kind of seen it. And actually, to be fair, quite a lot of the shots in the trailer are from the third act of the film, which again surprised me because usually that's around about the time in the film that you don't want anything to get out, you don't want to spoil anything. But the trailer does a fine job of spoiling absolutely nothing. So we start off with a Russian submarine called Sevastopol. Now, Sevastopol is basically testing this AI. It's testing this idea that how can we infiltrate other countries? How can we infiltrate other, you know, um, submarines and naval whoever's um, and basically do it completely stealthy and go under the radar of it? And they're managing to do that. They're managing to sort of get around and get really close to other countries you know submarines and all that kind of stuff without detection and they're doing that through this ai and this ai is able to sort of mask or shield them to in order to do it but then what the ai does in a really thrilling sequence is almost flip it on its head a little bit and it's a sort of real sort of tense edge of your seat opener to this film um with no imf with no Ethan Hunt, with no characters that you recognise, completely individual characters setting up this AI entity, okay? Now, 
originally, and this is what they sort of go through in the film, the AI was developed and designed to infiltrate or sabotage any sort of digital system before then erasing all traces of itself. So it goes through and it doesn't leave any trace that it's been there, but it's managed to sort of wipe everything, okay? Now, the entity at this point gets out of control. And I think, obviously, this is the sort of social context. This is the sort of commentary that we're getting through the film in that it's escaping out to the internet, it's expanding across the world into different elements and different you know places and it's it's basically taken on a form of its own at this point to the point where carrie elwes's character the director of defense sort of just says it's become sentient it's almost like you know the whole film you have this sort of backwards or sort of behind the curtain or background working villain of the entity which we can't see but we know that it's up to something and we know that it's up to no good now, obviously, throughout the film, there are the things that you expect and the things that you love about the Mission Impossible franchise. The disguises, the you know, the sort of rubber faces, and they pull them off, and it's like, oh, it's actually that person. Um, stunts galore. So the Venice cast sequences are absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, racing up and down the street to Venice. The the bridge fights, which I'm not going to go too much into because, again, I don't want to give any sort of significant plot points away. The train stunt um, towards the end of the film, uh, all the, the train sequences, there was a guy sat in front of me that every single time something happened on that train, he was like, ooh, and he, he was really into it and fair play to him. And then obviously the massive trailer stunt, you know, the hunt stunt of him going off, off the cliff on a bike, jumping off the bike and then opening up his parachute. You know, it's, it's Tom Cruise all over the place. It even says at the beginning of the film, a Tom Cruise production and... You know what? I can't fault him because they know exactly what they're doing and they're doing it bloody well. Because I I mentioned this when I did the 4K review of it. Top Gun, the first film, I saw it for the first time last year before Maverick came out and I thought it was okay. Maverick comes out, one of the best films of last year. Easily the best hour, final hour of action from last year in the film. This currently sitting at my number one of my favourite films of this year. Five stars from me. Absolutely superb. Just the way that everything's pulled together. The stuff that you know, the stuff that you like, the stuff you expect, the espionage, the disguises, all that kind of stuff. In with the stunts. In with the story elements. Now, my last review on the channel was a, a review of John Wick Chapter 4, where I said that it felt like it was going from set piece to set piece to set piece with a little bit of talk in between, and the talk was inconsequential. Here, you need it. It's the exposition, first and foremost. Obviously, of course it is. But it's developing the story. It's getting certain beats in with characters. And the fact that in the seventh film of a franchise, the three characters that I want to talk about from this film are three entirely new characters. I want to talk about S.I. Morales' Gabriel. What a villain. What a threat. The fact that, obviously, you're going to have to personify an AI villain in order for us to feel something, in that we can't just watch Tom Cruise trying to batter something that isn't actually there. So the fact that Gabriel, as a personification of the AI, and using it to his advantage and trying to get the MacGuffin of the key all the way through it, works stupendously. Hayley Atwell's Grace, burglar, burglar, burglar. So she's basically a thief. And because they want to get one half of the key and the other half of the key and make them match, obviously she's going to come in somewhere and try and steal both parts of the key, make it better for her, all that kind of stuff. 
instantly likable, in just charisma oozing out of Hayley Atwell. So good to see in a role like this. Obviously, you know, coming off Peggy Carter, doing things like that, but this is her really getting stuck into it. And then the one that surprised me the most, and it's probably not even like it's not a huge role for them, but Pom Clemente off Paris. Now, Pom Clemente off, if you're unaware is Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, Mantis has a very particular style to her in that she's quite calm. Obviously, you know, she's trying to be the voice of reason. She's seen the good in everybody. She isn't... Pom Clemson-Mop in this film is an absolute badass. Like, every time she was on screen and she was doing something, I just thought, you know what? She fits this character so well. Paris is basically an assassin who is hunting Ethan and Grace for Gabriel. Everything that she does has power to it, it has oomph to it. You take her as a threat, seriously. You know that she means trouble. And it is one of the best introductions of a character or to a character. And just that sort of, like, she just adds so much more to the film. And I just, like, the performance was fantastic. And that was probably my favourite thing, or she was my favourite thing about this film. So it's everything you expect and more and what makes the franchise so enjoyable in that, you know, for me, Up There is my favourite film of the year so far. It's pipped across the Spider-Verse to the post. I thoroughly enjoyed going straight from work yesterday, which is something that I don't really do, straight from work to the IMAX to watch it, sat there for three hours, didn't feel like three hours at all, and just came out of it thinking, that was superb. They know exactly what they're doing, they know how to do it well, and I want them to keep doing it. I love this franchise. And the the, the sort of bizarre thing about this, right, is I didn't see the first one until I'd seen, I want to say, two and three, possibly four, right? Now, there's me coming to it late. Fine, I get it. One, I think, is my least favourite. Because at the time, in the 90s, one was trying to do the, this is a spy film, it's going to be slick, it's going to be all that kind of stuff. Two was the first DVD that we owned when we had a DVD player as a family. One of the first films that I saw on DVD. And that, again, is trying to be highly stylized at that point, but to a different ilk in that, you know, it was directed by John Woo, so you're getting all the sort of characteristics and the auto traits from him coming through to it. Highly stylized. You then jump forward five years until you get to Mission Impossible 3, directed by J.J. Abrams. Just a pure balls-to-the-wall action film. And then you get it again with Ghost Protocol, again with Rogue Nation, Fallout blew me away. Dead Reckoning Part 1 blew me away. I love this franchise. I cannot wait to see Part 2. I cannot wait to get there next year to see Part 2. I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. I've seen people already being a little bit sniffy, you know, and I think the sort of the the, the sort of hindrance of giving it that five stars in those press uh, releases and those in, and those reviews that are going out where they can give it five and they're giving it four instead, and it's like, you, what are you splitting hers at here? Fine if you didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but I don't think anyone's really got any reason not to because I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, in a cinema near you right now. Go and see it on the biggest screen you can do. Go and see it on an IMAX if you can do. And I'm so happy that I, I went out and I, I caught it on opening day, you know. I mean, like, I, I'm aware that I'm probably spraying into the wind right now with all the reviews that are going to be out there, but I wanted to come on and give you, give you my take very quickly. Um, 
Coming up on the channel next week is a review of My Name is Alfred Hitchcock, the Matt Cousins documentary, as I mentioned in the videos previously. And then I will be doing a probably an individual review of Oppenheimer before I then do the sit down with Ruby talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer together. But to mention that now, what I'm planning to do after this is using the Red Bubble store that I've got, I'm going to do some Team Barbie and Team Oppenheimer t-shirts. So if you want to go and buy one of those, I'll put the link on my socials, as you can see at the bottom of my nice new fancy layout. Uh, so come over onto Twitter and I'll be posting those when they go live in just a little bit today. But thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, you can help sponsor the podcast or support the sponsor uh, support the podcast by visiting our sponsor off LTs using the code Farron. That's F A W A N D for fifteen percent off your order. Stay safe, look after each other, and I will see you next time. <laughs>